Welcome to the Wellness Hub Podcast with your hosts, Natalie and Emily. We hope to inspire families to nourish their body, mind, and spirit and become advocates for their own health. On the Wellness Hub, we'll be sharing resources to support you and your family on your health and wellness journey. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wellness Hub podcast. I'm excited to be back here with my co-host, Emily. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. You have some pretty exciting news to tell our listeners, don't you? Yes. I'm so glad to be back, first of all. It's been a wild two weeks, Um, so thanks for holding down the fort, Nat. It feels Um, like it's been two months. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) It does. It's like... It feels like it's been two days and two months all at the same time in in all of the good ways. Um, But yeah, it's been wild. Um, I had my son July 28th. Um, It was a wild experience. Um, A lot of things did not go according to plan um leading up to him being born and then actually after what after he was born so it's been wild but we're all home we're all safe and healthy and happy and trying to figure out this parenting thing for the first time so that's all that matters and i just got to meet him so i'm so happy um and so we're just gonna take this episode and talk a little bit um about your experience and just kind of catch up with you because it's been you know it's been two weeks and so i know we have a lot of mamas and expecting mamas that listen in so i was hoping that you could kind of walk us through what your pregnancy was like what your birth was like and any tips and tricks that you have for any expecting or you know there are a lot of moms too that are planning to um to have a baby also and so just any tips and advice that you might have for them yeah um it was really humbling and empowering all at the same time kind of going through this experience myself um rather than just teaching people based on the education i have um and I, I'm really grateful for that, too, because it just gives me a lot more of, um, I wouldn't even say it gives me more empathy because I have a lot of empathy anyway, but I'm like, now I can say, yeah, I've been in your shoes. I feel you. I get it. Um, and I think ultimately my hugest takeaway overall is as an incredibly type A person, they, they always tell you, like, you can make your plans. That's great, but baby will decide what happens. Mm -hmm. And that is so tough. And I remember hearing that and kind of rolling my eyes and like, whatever, I have worked so hard to prepare for this labor. I know what I'm doing and everything's going to be great. And, um, it's not that it wasn't, but it's just, you know, you can have the most perfect plan. You can do everything a hundred percent correctly and it may just not go that way. Mm -hmm. And I think, I was really grateful that part of my preparation during pregnancy um, discussed that. And it was like, you know, 85% of births are completely normal, no big deal. Um, I mean, not no big deal, but uh, they're not where you have to change the plan or nothing emergent happens. Um, But you need to prepare for that 15% mentally, emotionally, really find a way to accept that. Um, Because I think as moms, we all take everything so personally because it's, you know, we're like, I did this or I didn't do that or, um, 
but just really accepting like if you need to do that you're doing it for the right reasons you didn't fail you didn't not try hard enough like you gave it everything you had and it and that's okay because gosh that that was tough for me as a very stubborn person i was like no we can figure this out we can do this um we have a plan and it's like that's great but it's not gonna happen so yeah and i think it's so easy to compare to your friends or your family members oh like, yeah you look at your um you know your mom and they might have had this super easy quick you know however many births that they had and so mm -hmm. you just expect that or yeah you know you have your best friend who you know breastfeeding was super easy for them and it went great and then you try it and it's not the same everyone's just so bio-individual and that's yeah a very mental thing yeah and it's you know I I think there's so much um like I've talked a lot about unsolicited advice and strong opinions um on a lot of my um content on social media because I think that is I mean I'm a very codependent person naturally that's something I've had to really work on um and you have all these opinions flying at you and everybody oh you have to breastfeed or you're a terrible mom or you know you you never want to have a c-section or you know all these things and and everybody has their opinions and that's fine but ultimately every baby is different every pregnancy is different every mom's different and you have to have grace for yourself and like just do what works and not judge yourself um and just know that you're doing the best you can um but i would say you know with my pregnancy things honestly were very easy for me on a physiological um in a physiological sense i really like i <laughs> i pretty much missed my entire first semester uh, semester trimester i still have mom brain um <laughs> of pregnancy. I didn't even realize I was pregnant until I was 10 weeks along. I just thought I was stressed and tired um, and was a little bit in denial of some of the clues I should have picked up on, but they were so subtle. Like I wasn't puking my guts up. I wasn't, you know, feeling very poorly. I just thought, you know, it's the holidays. I'm stressed. I'm mm -hmm. tired. I'm working a lot. Um, and I got to the point where I was like, okay, the holidays are over. This isn't really going away maybe something like hormonally is kind of off and I had gone off of birth control um not horribly long before that so I thought it was just maybe like my body wasn't adjusting well or it was taking a little bit so I called my OB um and just kind of described what was going on and they're like well let's have you come in and do some lab work we'll look at it um and then they they called me back like four hours after the lab work and they said hey i don't know why they didn't run a pregnancy test they they were supposed to um but your estrogen is double what it should ever be and there's only like two good reasons for that um so you need to take some home pregnancy tests and we'll have you come back in too and i t i was like what and i went and bought like eight pregnancy tests and took like three back to back in the bathroom um on my lunch break at work and i was like freaking out um so i don't know if megan listens to this show but megan was the first person i told she's one of our ptas um at the clinic i was at before um i went and did my own thing and i was like megan come here because i'd always i always called her mom because she's she just had her second little one uh recently as well but she was kind of the the mom of all of us um so she was like 
is this a good thing? It's like, yeah, it's just a lot faster than we were expecting because my husband and I had just gotten married in October. Uh-huh. So that was wild. Um, but it was it was really exciting. We had to learn a lot on the fly. Um, and actually, like I've kind of talked about this a little bit um, here and there on the podcast, but, you know, my background is very traditional science, very traditional medicine. Um, I really, for over a decade, I was positive I wanted to be a surgeon. You know, I was not into any of this alternative granola, woo-woo stuff, and I would literally roll my eyes at it. And then I got pregnant, and I was like, well, you know, there's not a whole lot that they tell you on the traditional side. So I think I'm going to do a little more research. And I found um, the Mighty Mama movement, which... I found to be very helpful. I didn't end up getting to use a lot of their advice for delivery, um, but I thought they were wonderful and they're midwife led. So I kind of learned more about what midwives and doulas and and all of that. Um, but ultimately, like my pregnancy was pretty easy. Um, first trimester, I didn't have any any real nausea to speak of. Um, I felt pretty good. I still exercised like crazy. Um, I did yeah, back you off were a little. Still running oh yeah. Until when was that again? I was running twenty miles a week and lifting heavy weights five days a week when I found out I was pregnant. Um which then I started pursuing my um pre and postnatal fitness coaching certification. So I did kind of look at that and go, eh, okay, I do need to make some adjustments. Um, as stubborn as I am. <laughs> I was like, okay, I need to only push myself to 85% exertion. Um, I need to not be one rep maxing stuff. Um, except actually at that point I had PR'd several of my lifts cause I felt great. I was eating a little bit more, um, which I probably wasn't eating quite as much as I should have to begin with. Um, but I, I allowed myself to eat a little bit more cause I was so hungry. Um, and I PR'd my back squat, I PR'd my deadlift, oh my I PR'd gosh. my bench press, and then I was reading like, oh, you really should only do 85% of your one rep max. I'm like, Ooh, oops, I just did 115%. Um, which, you know, I think too, like I've been lifting for so long that I know my body very well. And so I knew I was okay. I don't recommend that. Um, it wasn't like it was something brand new that you right. decided second trimester to like be a power lifter. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I just, I've been lifting for at this point, I don't know, eight years, very, very consistently. Like I know what feels normal, what doesn't feel normal. Um, but there's still like those guidelines are there for a good reason. Um, they're, they're very evidence backed. Um, so I kind of had to dial dial that back a little bit in my second trimester since I knew better. Um, but even second trimester, like I ran until I was, I think 24 weeks pregnant. Um, and at that point, honestly, cardiovascularly, it felt great. Um, but my ankles, I started having some pretty wicked tendonitis and that was just killing me. So I had to stop and just start walking, um, which was frustrating, but you know, you have to do what you have to do. Um, and then I think, so I'm trying to think of the timeline with my mom brain. Um, at one point, 
we went in for what was supposed to be our last ultrasound and we'd kind of already had a little bit of them going oh man he's pretty small you know we're a little concerned about that um and my ob was really awesome i love dr richards she's the best um shout out to dr amy richards here at umc um she had kind of said you know yeah he he is on the smaller side but you're you're pretty petite your husband's not you know huge he was a small baby you know we'll just kind of keep an eye on it and he had played catch up pretty well up until that point um and then we went in for what was supposed to be our last ultrasound before delivery um and he was in the first percentile for weight and so then everybody starts freaking out what should he happen in again they really don't like to see under 10 um which so two ultrasounds prior to that he was seven percent um or seventh percentile um and they were kind of like some of them seemed a little concerned dr richards kind of seemed like yeah you know that's not ideal we'll kind of see how he does um and then the second to last one he was 15th percentile so he had a huge growth spurt um, and I knew that because I, I could just, I mean, I, I'm very, you know, in connection with my body. Mm -hmm. So I knew he had a huge growth spurt because my abdomen was so stinking tight. It literally felt like if you've done the most aggressive hamstring stretch ever, but you can't stop. It's not like under your control, but on your belly. That's how it felt for like a week. And it was miserable. And I was like, he is having a growth spurt. Like, he just is. That's the only explanation I have. Um, and other, one other thing that they were concerned about is I had a low-lying placenta. Um, just meaning that where the placenta was attached was um, covering my cervix. And so that can be a little risky for, you know, bleeding purposes and delivery purposes. Um... Is that really common? I, I'm really not sure how common it is. Um, I made the mistake of Googling it, which I know better. I always tell my patients, don't Google it. Like, because you will get mixed information and some of it is not helpful and a lot of it's very alarmist. Um, but really, my doctor was not super concerned. She was like, it, it, most of the time it'll end up moving. It'll be, it'll be okay. If it doesn't, yeah, you're at a, an increased risk for bleeding, but that doesn't mean we can't try for a vaginal delivery. We just, you know, need to be aware. Um, and I had had a sensation one day that I just knew it had moved. I knew my placenta had moved. And everybody was kind of like, you can't know that. And I was like, I, I promise it did. And we went in for the ultrasound and he was 15th percentile, so huge jump in weight. And my placenta was no longer low lying. So, which, once it's no longer low-lying, then it won't go back to being low-lying. Like, it, every, you know, my uterus had expanded enough and it had moved, so we were good. Um, so, I didn't really think there was anything to be concerned about. So, when we went in for the next ultrasound and he was first percentile, I was like, okay, whatever, y'all are being dramatic. He's small, I'm small, my husband's small, this is not news, we've known this. And they were like, no, you don't understand. Like, first percentile is really, really, really low. Like, there are some moms in your condition we've already admitted. And this is, 
it had to have been 32 weeks because I was going, I am not staying in a hospital for eight weeks. You are out of your mind. And I was really angry. I was very angry. Um, because I just felt like I was like be, kind of being manipulated. Um, so I was like, I know he's fine. He moves like crazy. I, you know, I know my body. I know my son. I knew he was a son before we, you know, officially knew. Like, I, I just... remember you saying that. You just had yeah. a feeling that he was a boy. Oh, yeah. Like, I was on a run one day, and I was like, I just know he's a boy. Like, there's just a lot of things that I feel like moms just know. Um, and I think good clinicians really pick up on that. Like, if mom knows something's wrong, there's something wrong, you know. Um, but anyway, so that was a really tough pill to swallow. Um, and we had planned a trip to Colorado, um, it was supposed to be kind of our last little, I guess, baby moon. We, we weren't calling it that, but, um, we were so excited for that, and my OB had already signed off on that. Everything was good. Um, and she called me. I sent her a, a message through her portal and was kind of like, hey, is this really that big of a deal? I feel like this is a little dramatic, because they were wanting me to do bi-weekly, um, non-stress tests, and a weekly ultrasound to check on him. And so we weren't going to be able to go on the trip. And I was going, this seems so dramatic. Are you sure this is necessary? And she called me. And I went, oh no. When, when your OB makes time to call you, that's probably not a good sign. And she said, yeah, this is a big deal. She said, you know, I don't want you to be scared or alarmed. But this is a big deal. Your, your son has... IUGR, which stands for, let me see if I can remember, intrauterine growth restriction. So, meaning for some reason, your baby is not growing like we'd like them to. Um, there's a symmetric version and an asymmetric version. So, I have a, a really close friend who her son had an asymmetric version. So, like head and limbs were normal but his belly was too small um whereas john's was symmetric so just overall he was really small but when they did all the measurements there wasn't like one specific thing they could point at and honestly that made me more irritated because then it felt like well how do you know like maybe he's just small maybe the due date's off maybe the ultrasound's off you know um but she was saying, you know, yeah, there are a lot of complications that could happen. There are a lot of things we're going to have to watch for. Um, and if these complications happen, like, that, that's an emergency. So we might have to rush into a C-section um, if that happens, which obviously was very much the opposite of what my plan was. Um, or if everything continues to look okay, we're going to induce at 37 weeks because at some point there is some reason why he's not growing adequately in your womb and so it would be safer to deliver him when he's as fully developed as we can get him and make sure he's okay and get him proper nutrition on the outside because we don't know what's going on um, but then we can control more variables so i was i was very frustrated i was very upset but i accepted that and we canceled our trip um, and then I decided to look on the bright side because this summer has been so stinking hot. 
and I was like, well, at least I'm skipping three weeks of pregnancy during the summer. So that's a, that's a silver lining. Um, we'll just get to hold them sooner. That'll be good. Um, but I knew with induction, with having Pitocin, that was going to make it more difficult to do things naturally, which my plan was to go 100% naturally. No, no pain medication, no interventions whatsoever, um, unless they were 100% medically necessary. Mm -hmm. um, and my doc was awesome about that. Um, I had an awesome doula, Michelle, um, who helped with that as well. And I did a bunch of prep work um, physically, emotionally, mentally um, to prepare for all of that. And that program that you did helped a lot, right? What was it again? The yeah, Mama Mighty Mama okay. um, is the program I did. And I'm sure there are a bunch out there like it. Um, but I really liked that they addressed all of those different things. Um, so there were a lot of like natural remedy type of things that they recommended like um, cervix softener and labor prep capsules and things like that that if I had known the resources I know now back then I would have gone to see Sisters Herbs I would have talked to Jimmy at Hub City Organics because um, I, I would have preferred to do it locally um, but you know, I think, I think they had a great program together. They used, um, traditional midwife products with sunstone. Um, and like, I, I have no complaints about any of their products. I think, you know, it we will kind of get into it, but like my body just was like, nope, <laughs> we're not doing that. Um, but they addressed, you know, how to like train your mind to do mind over matter which really is what it comes down to. Um, every mom I've talked to who has done a natural birth is like, yeah, I mean, it's going to hurt like hell. It just is. Um, but you just have to get to a place where your mind can go somewhere else and kind of go to like its primitive state and just choose to not feel it. Um, and breath work is a big part of that also, right? It is. Um, so something I did to prepare kind of their like very first stage is they have you hold ice cubes in your hand and breathe super deeply and super slow um, so that you tap into that parasympathetic state instead of the sympathetic state um, because when when we breathe really fast that kicks us into more of a sympathetic state so they would have you breathe as slowly as you possibly could and picture this place where you really feel at peace um, and I kind of tried a different couple of, I, I tried a couple of different places. And for me, I, as a runner, um, there's a trail that I run all the time with my German Shepherd and about between miles five and six is kind of where I go from being like, Ugh, I'm tired. I don't really want to be doing this to like, wow, this feels great. I'm so glad I'm doing this. So that's where I pictured um, because that just kind of helped. My body was like used to the endorphin drum, dump um, mm -hmm. that would occur there. And so I was like, I think that's going to be really helpful. And then I would even do it with cold showers. I did that every day. So I'd be in the shower and when I'd finish, I'd turn it as cold as it could go. I'd start a timer for two minutes because I knew my contractions would probably, hopefully not be longer than two minutes at the worst. Um, and I would try to only take eight breaths in two minutes. And oh my gosh, I bet that was hard. 
it, honestly, it got so easy because I just practiced it. You know, it just became part of my daily routine. Um, and I definitely got to the point where, like, I couldn't feel that it was cold. You know, and I was That's like, awesome. okay, we'll see how this goes. And, um, yeah, but so, you know, they, they continued the monitoring through the rest of my pregnancy. They never found anything that looked bad. So, you know, I was incredibly grateful for that. And then the plan was to induce at 37 weeks. Um, and they were very busy because there's a bunch of babies being born right now. Yep. Um, so we didn't get in until Wednesday the 27th to start induction. So we started Pitocin. And I was like, okay, let's go. I'm ready. You know, um, my OB, thank goodness, was fine with me eating and drinking up until active pushing. Um, so I had a bunch of like marathon type snacks, like quick, quick fuel, um, like the energy blocks and the gels. And cause I figured I wouldn't want anything heavy on my stomach, but I'd want like that quick energy. Um, and we, you know, we tried and tried and tried, I'd get contractions and I'd kind of try to rate them for myself as like on a pain scale. And it, that first day it was like, maybe some twos and threes. It was no big deal. And I was going, really? Is this it? Like, <laughs> I, I know I prepared well, but geez, this is like no big deal. Um, and they come in and they're like, yeah, you haven't dilated at all. Nothing has changed. And that was so frustrating, but it was like, okay, so what's the plan? And they were like, well, let's, let's put you on Cervidil. We're going to stop the Pitocin, put you on Cervidil to try to get your cervix to um, efface and dilate. So they put that in overnight, took me off the Pitocin, and told me to try to get as much sleep as I could, which is very difficult in labor and delivery when all these moms are delivering and there's doors slamming and everybody's, you know, screaming. And and it was like, I'm so happy for them, but I'm also like, God, why can't that be me, you know? Um, so the Cervidil was in for 12 hours. They came in and took it out. I probably only got four hours of sleep that night, like really, really trying to sleep. Um, and then I got some pretty strong contractions that kept me up the rest of the night. Um, and they weren't, they weren't miserable, but I couldn't just lay there. Like I had to get up and, and bounce on the birth ball or something like that to, to breathe through them. Cause I knew the big deal is like, the last thing you want to do is clench up mm -hmm. because your body's trying to push baby into position. So you need to let that happen and just relax. And I just couldn't do that lying there. Um, so I didn't get very good sleep that night. And then they came back in, they started the Pitocin back up. I still hadn't dilated at all. Um, they, they kept saying literally a fingertip. That's all you've got. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so <clears throat> my OB came in and she said, okay, so here's the plan. If we haven't made any progress by this time tomorrow, like, you know, we might have to do a C-section because like we can't have you on Pitocin forever. Um, it's not good for you. It's not good for baby. And at some point, like we started this process. So we've got to, we've got to get him out. Um, so that was also weighing on my mind of like, okay, we've got to, we've got to, you know, Get things moving. <laughs> yes. Um, and I talked to my doula and she was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Like, I need you to go walk every hour or two hours, but like be consistent with the, with the frequency. 
and walk for like 15 or 20 minutes, be consistent with the, with the duration. And when you come back in, don't sit on anything hard, be on the birth ball, be up on your feet, do something. Um, and so everybody quickly decided I was the, the marathon hall walker of UMC labor and delivery. Cause I was like, okay, let's go. Cause I'm like, let's get this baby out. So we're like pacing the halls, walking so much. And eventually I got some contractions that were like, I'd say a five out of 10. Um, like I couldn't, I couldn't actively keep walking. I had to stop and really focus on my breath and focus um, on that sunflower field that Sammy and I would run by when I would actually get that endorphin dump to avoid clenching my buttocks. Cause that's, that was just my instinct. And I was like, nope. And he did not do that. Um, so that got me really hopeful. And then they stopped. I was like, oh, okay. So we kept trying. Um, and at one point and we had an awesome nurse, Morgana down there. She was incredible. Um, and she came in and she said, let me move that monitor. Cause the monitor thing was a whole, <laughs> it was great cause they were portable. So you could still be up and moving and stuff, but they just did not want to stay put on me. Um, and so they kept having a hard time picking up my contractions really well and picking up baby's heart rate super well. So they had to keep playing with it. Um, and she was like, I need to move those cause I'm seeing something I don't like. And I need to make sure that that's what's happening. Okay, so she moved him a little bit, and then she came back in and she said, "Yeah, um, you see this here? Like his heart rate is decelerating when you have a contraction." I said, "Okay, what does that mean?" And she said, "Right now it's not that bad. Like it keeps coming back up. Um, so right now we're okay, but if we start getting some big dips, we're calling this off because that's not safe for him." And I was like, "Okay." We've worked so hard. I'm so tired. I'm so ready to do this. And it's just like, okay, but this is, that's what matters is his safety and his health. So whatever we need to do. So then it became like every time I had a pretty strong contraction, I'm asking Mason, like, how is he doing? How is he doing? How is he doing? And he'd look and he'd go, yeah, it dipped again. And there were some that, I mean, his heart rate would go from 150s 160s and it would drop to barely 100 and so that was really scary and I knew Morgana was watching it very closely she was taking excellent care of him and of me um, and she was in contact with Dr. Richards and at some point in the afternoon Dr. Richards came in and she was like look here's the deal here's what's happening we've got to do a c-section because we have to take you off Pitocin I think if we take you off of Pitocin, baby boy will be doing fine, but then I can't get him out. Um, and I, I wasn't dilating enough to where she could do any other interventions because she, she kind of wanted to try a, a Foley bulb um, and or break my water to try to get things going, but I, I never dilated at all um, so that she couldn't even get in there to do that. Um, so it was tough, but it was like, I mean, it's for his health it's for his safety. So it, there's no question. That's what we have to do. Um, and the good and bad thing about it was at that moment, like from the moment she told us that to the moment he was on my chest was like 30 minutes tops. It was so fast. Oh my gosh, that's wild. Yeah. So like 
part of me was really grateful for that because I didn't really have a lot of time to freak out or be upset or overthink it. Um, but it also was very stressful and kind of alarming. They're just like, oh my god, okay, we're doing exactly what I did not want to do at all costs. I was so opposed to having a C-section. I felt like the recovery would be so much worse for both he and I. Um, but our doula was incredible. She was so helpful with all of that. Michelle walked me through every single step of the way. Like, they're getting me all ready and she's talking me through it. Do you have any questions? Are you okay? You know, what do you need? Um, she was amazing. And they gave my husband scrubs and they were like, okay, dad, let's go. And he's like, wait, right now? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and we get in there. Oh my gosh. And then we get there and they pull me back to prep me and they tell him, no, you stay here. And he's like, what? Like, I'm not going to get to go in there. Like, she's going to be in there alone. So he's freaking out. So Michelle comes out and explains, like, they have to prep her first. Then then I will come and get you. I promise you're going to be there. And he's like, okay. Um, so she was just incredible at, like, because, you know, everybody has to be so go, go, go and get my job done. And she was the communicator and the bridge. So that was amazing. And she's with EMC. She's not, like, a private. One. She is private. Oh, um, she yes. she So she contracts with UMC. But her business, let me look it up real quick so I don't screw it up. It's blue. Let me look. Sorry, Michelle. My mama brain. Because how did you hear about her? Well, I did hear about her through UMC because UMC offers doulas for free. Um, That's awesome. I feel like it's talking with wonderful. Emily um two weeks ago just really I mean I knew that they were important but um she really just kind of opened my eyes on like how critical oh yes they, you know of a player that they can be honestly I think I mean Dr. Richards was incredible and I'm so grateful for her but I really feel like if Michelle would not have been there this would have been a really traumatic thing for me um just because I had done the prep work of understanding if we needed to do this, I was doing it for my baby and I was being the best mom possible by making this choice and it wasn't that I had failed or anything like that. But it was still really scary and I was exhausted after 30 hours of trying, trying to get labor going. Um, but she just, she was that bridge that I needed so badly. I think I would have really felt traumatized a little bit by how fast things were and things weren't necessarily explained super thoroughly and it was like wait you want me to do what now and they're like hurry 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 you're gonna <laughs> yeah <laughs> like oh god um so having her there to bridge that gap really made all the difference in the world um, but she contracts with umc but her um private services are bird in bloom yeah, Bird and Bloom Birth Services is her company, um, and she's incredible. I cannot, I cannot recommend Michelle enough. She's amazing. She was so helpful for me and for Mason, um, and for John. But yeah, so we get in there, and they're like, "Do you want to be able to see through the curtain so you can see when he comes out?" I'm like, "Yes," and <laughs> we get all set up, um, and he comes out, and it was like, 
holy moly, like I just burst into tears. I was like, that's a real baby. Like we did this. Oh my gosh, this has been such a huge, crazy process, but it was so worth it. And then I started feeling not good. Um, and I think just trying to be in labor for so long and then having the C-section and the suddenness of all of it and my blood pressure just plummeted. And I was like, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. And I even like, I felt like someone had shoved stakes through my shoulders. Oh and my I was gosh. like, I know I shouldn't be feeling that because it's only supposed to be like, you know, breasts down kind of thing. Um, so they had to adjust some meds pretty quickly because they put them on my chest. And I very quickly was like, somebody needs to grab them because like, I think I'm going to pass out. Um, and fortunately, they were able to, to adjust everything. So I didn't pass out. But that really scared Mason, too. So it was, it was tough, but it was, it was amazing. It was so cool getting to hold him and like, okay, this was worth it. Um, like the, the C-section was definitely not my favorite. Um, it was very uncomfortable. It was very scary. Um, like I felt a lot more than I was really anticipating feeling. I remember you saying that. Yeah. Like I wouldn't say... I couldn't feel the pain, but the pressure was so intense that it, it, I, I asked Mason, like, are my hips coming off the table? Like, and he was like, no, you're not moving. Um, it was wild, but it was all, it was all worth it. And we, we got back into our room and I still, you know, couldn't feel anything. I couldn't move. Um, but I could hold him and I got to breastfeed and do skin to skin. And that was awesome. Um, he was how, what weight was he again? He was five pounds, six ounces, which his dad was five pounds, four ounces when he was born. Um, so honestly, that wasn't very surprising to us. And he was 19 and a half inches long. So oh my he's got his daddy's long, skinny legs. Um, but that was all excellent. Um, and really, after the fact, the only thing that was just awful is... There was some confusion with the pain medication and stuff, so I didn't get any more pain meds until 10.30 that night. He was born at 3 p.m. Oh, my god! Yeah, 3.04 p.m. was when he was born. So I was miserable. Like, I went from not feeling anything to, like, this is the worst pain I've ever been in in my life. Like, I kept telling Mason, I was like, I've run a half marathon with three broken ribs, and it was uncomfortable. This is excruciating. Because oh um, the parents, or the grandparents were all there, and, you know, we were going to have all our friends come, and, and I was very much like, yeah, there's no way. Like, I'm dying. Um, so getting the pain back under control was a huge part, and I think my recovery would have been even better if that would not have happened. Um, well, yeah, I feel like with any surgery, it's like if you let it get ahead of you, then you're playing catch-up until you finally get relief. Yeah, and I know, I mean, a lot of my patients have kind of, I don't want to say done that to themselves, but, you know, they go, I don't want to be on this pain med, and I totally get that. Um, I feel the same way, but I always tell them, like, for a little while, you need to stay on it, even if you don't want to, because if you get behind you are going to never catch up or it's yeah. going to feel like you're never going to catch up and it's going to be awful. So just do yourself a favor, take it even though you don't want to until you really, really are okay to start weaning off. Um, yeah. I had that experience with wisdom teeth and I was like, I'm yeah, not taking that. Yeah. I don't need that. And then it hit me and it was like, 
I was down for like 24 hours. Yeah, and I mean, I again, I get it. Like, I don't like taking pain medication. I'm not, you know, that's not how I roll, but it's necessary with surgery. Surgery is a whole other, it's like the worst car accident you can think of. Like, that's how your body is handling that trauma. Um, so that part sucked, but, you know, got to bond with our baby and, and hold him and feed him all night. And we were insanely tired. Um, but then the next day I was feeling quite a bit better. I was finally able to get out of bed. I was able to put on my own clothes. So that was amazing. Um, after, you know, two entire days of being in a hospital gown, I was sick of that. Um, and they need to make more comfortable hospital accounts like that should yeah, be in the budget <laughs> it was really funny because i was i mean for me ginormous at nine months pregnant and it was still like i was swimming in it so i was like where do they find these things <laughs> i mean i guess at least at least it wasn't too small um but it was so nice to be back in my clothes um and Really, at that point, I was just, I was in quite a bit of pain, but I was feeling really optimistic. Um, John was feeding really well. He was latching and, and feeding really well, from what I could tell. Do they provide a lactation, like, consultant mm -hmm. there? Oh, yeah. I had, I had lactation come in before we even went up to postpartum. And then they came by a couple of different times in postpartum. Um, and really, everything was going super great until... He went for, they did a checkup, and I honestly, I was so delirious at the time. I don't remember, like, what they called it. It was before his 24-hour checkup. Um, but they were like, he swallowed some amniotic fluid. And he had had, like, a six-hour window that I tried to feed him every two hours, and he just wanted nothing to do with it. And I really, really tried, and he just, you know, and I thought, well, he's a newborn. He's tired. I'm sure tomorrow night he'll cluster feed. It didn't seem that weird to me, and the pediatrician didn't seem concerned at all, so we went, okay. Um, but he came back from his checkup, and they said uh, he had amniotic fluid in his belly. It was really irritated. We had to suction it out and NG um, some donor milk, which at least I was very glad I had specified I only wanted donor milk. I didn't want um, any formula to be given to him because I felt very strongly about wanting to breastfeed, and a lot of the time... <clears throat> Um, based on what I've read and people I've talked to, if you start formula, it's very difficult to sustain breastfeeding because it's, you know, it's like getting chocolate milk when you're trying to give your kid skim milk or something, you know, it's just like they're not going to want that. Mm -hmm. um, or at least that's how I was thinking about it. Um, so we get him back, we're like, okay, so we're trying to feed him, we're trying even harder now because they're really concerned about his blood sugar and that kind of thing. Um, so then they take him for his 24-hour checkup, and they were like, we can't even read his blood sugar. It's so low. So, and it's, it will read down to 30. So then I'm freaking out, um, and they're like, are you feeding him? I'm like, yes, of course I'm feeding him. Like, I'm, I'm doing everything I can, um... And it got to the point where they were like, NICU may be coming to grab him. And I was like, what? Are you serious? Um, and thank God we have an amazing friend who's a nurse in the NICU, Teresa. 
and she was so wonderful about explaining so much to me. I mean, it's not that they didn't, it's just when you're that stinking tired and emotional and your hormones are insane, um, it's amazing hearing it from a friend that you know and trust. Like, here's the deal. This is not that big of a deal. This is very common. He is a little guy. He doesn't have a bunch of extra fat like most babies do when they're born. And yeah, he got a little behind with the amniotic fluid in his belly. So he's been hungry for a while, but his tummy hurt, so he wasn't eating. But he didn't have enough, you know, extra to fall back on. So that's why we're in this position. But they'll get his blood sugar back up. It'll be no big deal. He'll definitely be there two days because to do a full workup, it was going to take 48 hours um, because one of the tests is a bacterial culture to make sure he didn't have sepsis and that, you know, you have to let the bacteria grow on the, on the, um, Petri dish and everything. So we knew we were looking at at least two days, um, but it was, it was tough. They came and took him. That was the middle of the night. It was like three in the morning and they Did walked us down. Did you still have to be in there? at that time so i was about to be so they they typically want you to be there three days or three nights after your c-section but i was doing so well that my my doc was good with me leaving after two but they were saying you because your child's in the NICU we can make sure you get another day or another night mm -hmm. um and we kind of weighed we kind of weighed that um because we do live here so it's not like we're out of town or anything. Um, but we ultimately decided the best thing we could do for our son was to go home and get some rest um, so I could get my milk supply up so it would be ready when he was allowed to eat again um, and so we could have our, our faculties about us and be a little bit less emotional because we knew like ultimately he's in the most capable hands. I mean, the NICU at UMC is amazing. It's the best in the region. Um, so we knew he was in good hands and it was really tough to decide, um, especially like we, we went down when they took him and they kind of gave us a tour and showed us how to get there and told, told us, you know, we need an hour to get him set up, but then you can come anytime, 24 seven, whenever you want. Um, and I just bawled my eyes out. Like we just got in there. I was like, these are all these like itty bitty like 20 something week babies they're yes. so fragile and so sick and my son's in there like oh my god um and they were insanely kind they were so amazing they took great care of him and us um but it was tough and then I was like how in the world am I gonna leave my son at the hospital and go home but we just kept going back and forth, and we we're like, that is the right thing to do. That is logically the best thing we can do for our son. We're emotional. We're tired. That's what we need to do. So. And you knew he was safe where. Right. Where he was. Basically. Yeah. And part of me just felt a ton of mom guilt of like, I'm doing the selfish thing to go get rest when he's there. How could I leave him? And it was like, well. <laughs> Whether it's the selfish thing or not, it's logically the smartest thing to do for him. And ultimately, it will be better for him for my milk supply to be better. Absolutely, so, yeah. Um, that's what we did. We finally got some sleep in our own bed, which was incredible. Um, we went back up the next morning. We got to hold him and feed him, and that was awesome. Um, 
and everybody there was so helpful and explained so much. They even have um, a really cool camera system called Angel Eye, so you could watch him when you're at home. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was a thing. It was very cool, and they, you know, they explained it's very much a privilege and not a, not a right, because some parents um, could kind of try to take advantage of that and be really bossy, and like, they've got some high-priority little, little babies in there, so... They, you know, it's not a nanny cam. It's, it's a privilege that you get to see your, your little kid whenever you want from the comfort of your own home. But, uh, it was very cool. Like, I remember we logged in, um, Sunday morning and he didn't have an NG tube in anymore. And we just bawled. We're like, okay, he's doing good. They're, they're letting him eat again. Um. Because they had to make him NPO for a little while. So that was that was tough. But they took great care of him. His blood sugars came back up. Um, we did room in with him um, Sunday night. So we stayed at the hospital. They had like a room in the NICU um, with a queen bed and a little setup. And they put his bassinet in there with all the monitors and wires and everything. And we got up every three hours, changed his diaper, took his temperature, fed him, put him back down, which was exhausting. Yeah. Um, but it was just so good to all be together as a family again. Um, and then really the next day they were like, things are looking pretty good. Um, my, my husband wanted us to get him circumcised, so we got that done. And then it was like, okay, y'all are good to go home. So... That was amazing. So we got to come home. So how um, long was he in there? How many days total? It was just a little over two days. Um, just because it took a little bit to get the circ done and everything. Um, but yeah, it was not really any longer than just knowing he was fine. All the labs came back well and his glucose was staying good. So... But yeah, we got to finally come home, and and we all just did so much better once we were home and got to rest in our own bed, and and he kind of got he kind of got you know the routine of what we were doing, and the dogs had to get in their routine. Yes, oh my gosh, because we have a German Shepherd, a Belgian Malinois, and a Border Collie, um, and they're wonderful. They're very bossy. <laughs> they love their little brother. Um, it's so funny because I didn't really know how they would react. Um, Samantha, the German Shepherd, has had some experience with babies here and there and she's done really well, but she is very, um, alpha and she's very dominant. We're like, okay, we'll see how this goes. She loves that little boy. Like, she follows us around and she's like, are you doing that right? <laughs> and same with the Mal and the Border Collie's figuring it out. She, she loves him, but she loves him from a distance, you know? <laughs> but one, one of the really great pieces of advice that they gave us was to not come in with him right away to, like, First of all, we sent some pieces of clothing home while we were still in the hospital that he had worn so mm -hmm. they could smell it. Um, and then when we did come home, we had one of the grandparents hold John outside and we came in and greeted them and gave him a bunch of attention. And then we brought John in so they wouldn't feel like they were immediately being replaced and get jealous. Um, that makes sense because they are so incredibly protective. Yeah. And I, I mean... 
obviously we didn't do it the other way, so I, I can't really compare, but um, I thought that was really wise. So I was really glad that we did that. Um, it was really funny, though, the Border Collie, like, when I came in the first night before we were able to take John, um, she didn't recognize me because I smelled so different. And she was upset. Like, she, she, it's a long story, but she's, she has a history of abuse and all this stuff. So she's kind of picky about people anyway, but she loves mom. And especially through pregnancy, she was stuck to my side. Um, so I get home and she knows it's me, but I smelled hurt, you know, mm -hmm. and she was, she was growling. I couldn't approach her. Oh my gosh. It was so sad. I was like, Dak, it's okay. It's mommy. Um, but she, she snapped out of it, and she figured it out. But it's been an adjustment for the whole family, for sure. I'm just so glad you guys are back and everybody's healthy. and Because I yeah. know that was, that had to have been such a roller coaster of, like, okay, he's measuring fine, so he's good. He's not, so he's not. And back yeah. again, it's like that had to have been quite, like, the, you know, roller coaster of emotions. It was, and... um I'm really grateful for all of the work that I've done in counseling up until now, um, just because, you know, I think being from Texas, even, you know, like, you're supposed to be tough, rub some dirt in it, like, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, to, you know, and so I typically really suppress my feelings, and I push them down, and I just, you know, get on with life and do what I need to do, um, there's no way I could have done this as well as I did if I would have done that. I really had to, like, feel my emotions, let them happen, process them, accept them, and move forward. Um, and sometimes at a very quick pace and with very little sleep, too. So. Right, and those emotions, I know we talked a little bit about emotions in one of the other podcasts, I'm trying to remember, but that suppression of emotions can manifest themselves like themselves in so many other ways that could oh, look yeah. like stress with john mm -hmm. that could look like you know blood pressure with you or yep. um you know just affecting your immune system and you getting sick it's just yep yeah emotions we definitely need to have a counselor on yes. um, here and there is Me an too. emotions code practitioner in the area too that i was hoping to get on because it's just you know no matter if you're going through like a um a season that's a little bit more stressful on the body like pregnancy mm -hmm. or you just have a wild work schedule or you're at home with your kids or you um you know you just have a lot of things changing in the season that you're in emotions are just like they're things just as stress is like those are things that have to be managed and yeah. if they aren't they are going to show up other places yeah and i think being aware of them is so important because you can't deny them you can't deny that they're there. That's not going to help you. Uh, but you also can't give them control. Exactly. Um, you know, I think one of the things that uh, one of my coaches that's been really helpful for me talks about um, emotions and situations are things that happen. And what you choose to do with them will affect your thoughts and your actions. Mm -hmm. So, you know you're gonna have emotions but you choose what you do with them um yeah just like respond like responding to other people it's like yes mm -hmm. i might not have agreed with what you said and that made me upset but i i get the choice to either respond harshly and aggressively yeah. or not mm -hmm. you know like there's that line of like 
yes, I know that I'm feeling like, feeling like this and I accept it and I'm going to work past it or I'm just going to have this like harsh emotional reaction because I'm feeling defensive. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever. Oh, yeah. And I even know like um, one of the doulas that taught one of our classes because UMC also has birth classes that we attended. Um, she was saying she had a mom, she's had several moms that, like, they'll hit this wall in their labor where, like, you know, maybe they're five centimeters, but they just cannot get past that. Um, and she'll find there's something emotional they're holding on to. Like, they're, deep down, they're really afraid of having the baby. Mm -hmm. Because right now, while they're pregnant, they can control things. But once this baby's here, they can't. Um, and that they have to process that and have a good cry and, like, let it out, and then their labor goes, you know, goes great and progresses normally. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that is definitely a big part of it. I don't think, you know, my emotions were were anything to do with why mine didn't progress. Um, my OB was like, yeah, I've seen like one other patient ever do this. This was very rare, um, you know, but Everybody's I think... bodies are just so different. Yeah, my mine was just like, nope, we're not doing this. So <laughs> I don't know. And so is that and some advice that you would give some new moms or, um, you know, women that are wanting to have babies is like doing work beforehand, doing the preparation before. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't regret putting in all that time and effort. Um, it, I mean, it's frustrating that I didn't really get to use it, but I was ready. Um, and you had to use a lot of the mental mm -hmm. stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely didn't hurt. It only helped. Um, honestly, kind of after discussion with my physician, I have a feeling that, um, like, that may just be something my body doesn't want to do. Because um, I know it was early and, and, you know, I truly believe your body going to labor naturally is going to be best and all that. But it, it was crazy that, like, I had no progress at all with dilation for 30 hours. Like, that's... Yeah, that's a, that's a long time. I feel like that does point to, you know, I may be having C-sections with all my babies. That may just be what, what we have to do. Um, but hopefully, we can do a VBAC. Um, that'll be a journey yeah. in the future. Um, and I think a lot of women think that once you have a C-section, you can't have a VBAC. And everybody's body's different, but a majority of the time, that's not true. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and I know, you know, having had a C-section, um, subsequent pregnancies will technically be higher risk. Mm -hmm. Um, but honestly, the, the best advice I can give is like, I was in really good shape when I got pregnant. I was in really good shape. You're still in really good shape. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I try, but I can't lift anything more than 10 pounds for six weeks and that's killing me, but I'm not doing it. I promise, Dr. Richards. Um, but I think being really healthy like my my abdominal muscles were they responded great um she said like right after c-section they just right back together she's like you're not gonna have dra you're gonna be just fine um so obviously all of that you know paid off really well and honestly i mean a week after i was feeling great That's like so awesome maybe not a hundred percent but like very minimal pain was getting around just fine, was taking him for walks in the stroller, no issue. Um, felt like I could do a lot more than I was allowed to do. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, haven't been on pain meds, and I really was careful about that. I didn't want to go off too soon. Um, 
but I was on acetaminophen and ibuprofen, so nothing super hot, you know, strong. Um, and I stopped taking the acetaminophen just to kind of see and just took the ibuprofen since that's an NSAID. Um, and then I even was like, you know, I don't even really think I need this. Um, I went off of everything completely and it felt great. I feel like I could go run six miles. Like, I don't, I don't feel, I know, know. (laughs) but I, I feel great. I don't feel, you know, like I just had a major surgery, um, two weeks ago tomorrow that doesn't feel real. Yeah. And I know that's just because I, you know, prepared my body to recover well. And, and I always tell patients that I always tell them whether it's a knee replacement or, um, a hip scope or whatever it is, you know, rehab. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cause whatever level you're at, your surgery, your car accident, whatever it is, will knock you down quite a bit. But if you're coming at it from, I don't know, a five out of 10 health, let's say, that is going to hurt. That's going to be down in the twos. Yes. But if you can get up to a seven, eight, it's going to knock you down to a five. That's a lot more doable. And so you have a program that's for Mm -hmm. the first six weeks after, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I have a pregnancy prep plan as well. So like to, you know, there's never a wrong time to start getting in shape. There, there isn't. And a lot of people are scared to do that during pregnancy, but I think that's a great time to do it because you have all the motivation in the world mm-hmm. of like, okay, this is happening. Let's get you in the best shape you can be in. So you recover great. Um, and so you don't hurt like a lot of, a lot of pregnancies. It's like, man, my back is killing me. This hurts. That hurts. It doesn't have to. Um, there's a lot of things we can do to prevent that. Um, or at least lessen it. Um, so I have a pregnancy prep program and that one is 14 weeks long. Um, and it doesn't matter what stage you're at in pregnancy, you know, whenever you, um, want to join, it's totally fine. Um, and that's a hundred percent, um, individualized programming too. So I go, what, what kind of exercise do you like to do? How much time do you have to train? And I'll design your program for you that way. Um, Sorry, I have a tickle in my throat. Um, it's the West Texas wind. <laughs> it is. Um, but, and then there's also a community aspect of a Facebook group where you get to, like, check in with other moms and get that support and camaraderie. Um, and then on the back end of that, there's a Mama Bear boot camp, which is basically the same thing, just as postpartum. Um, so that one is 12 weeks. Um, but same thing, individualized programming that's emailed to you, um, weekly check-ins where we kind of go, okay, how's that going? Are you having any symptoms? Do we need to tweak anything? Um, do we need to bump stuff up, bump stuff down? You know, how's everything going? Even trying to incorporate breastfeeding into that and like making sure we're not messing up your supply with your exercise, um, and really focusing on what you care about. If, if your back hurts, if that's your problem, let's get your back not hurting. If you're really wanting to lose the baby weight, great, let's do that. Um, but it's not focused on any one particular thing. It would work great for any mom, no matter what their goals are, um, in a very supported manner. And then I started a six week immediate postpartum program. So it's, um, called mama bear baby steps. Um, because 
I, with a C-section, it's a little bit different. Like you are not supposed to lift 10 pounds or more than 10 pounds because, you know, they did a surgery and they have everything the way they want it in there. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be careful to not um, damage those tissues while they're healing. But especially with a with a vaginal birth, a lot of it is really kind of seeing how stuff feels. Um, and I always encourage women to get clearance from their doctor before they do anything. But this is not... So the pregnancy and the postpartum have strength training, cardio. It's a well-rounded program. This one is much more like, okay, down to the roots. What do we need to recover in the first six weeks? So we talk about breath work. We talk about reconnecting with your pelvic floor because it just went through something insane. Mm -hmm. Um, And really... With breath work, if you watch how pregnant women walk and breathe and hold themselves with their posture, especially new moms right afterwards, I've caught myself doing it and I know better. Shoving my hips out front Mm -hmm. and like hanging out all my ligaments, that's so bad for your back. It hurts. Like my back has been killing me and I've had to, okay, stop it (laughs) and adjust. Um, But a lot of that has to do with breath work. A lot of it has to do with connecting with your pelvic floor again. Um, And then we kind of go over some like gentle dynamic mobility work to get everything moving well um, without doing anything too strenuous to um, compromise your recovery, but to enhance it. Um, So I'm really excited for that one as well, because I think there's just a lot of like, I don't know, I'm allowed to walk. That's it, right? And I think... As long as you clear it with your physician or your healthcare provider, if you have a midwife or whatever, um, you know, I, I think many women could do quite a bit more without it being strenuous. It should be something that's making you feel better, not making you more tired. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, it should help relieve those aches and pains and give you the best recovery you can and set yourself up for success later for the mom bear boot camp, you know, when you want to start incorporating strength and cardio and all that. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's important for you physically where you're at, like before and afterwards, but also if you're wanting to have more kids, it's Mm -hmm. really pelvic floor health is, that is so important. Yeah, and so, you know, I treat pelvic health as a PT um, if you have symptoms. So kind of the line that I have to draw because of licensure and everything is if you are asymptomatic, I can give you fitness advice. If you're symptomatic, you have to be a patient. Um, But I can give general guidance and kind of go, you know, hey, let's talk about how you connect with your pelvic floor. Um, And then if you find that you really are not able to do it and it's really, really challenging, then you probably do need to see a pelvic health physical therapist to give you more one-on-one advice. But I think general advice can be super helpful, especially for women who have a good connection with their body and they just, you know, they just had a child. So that really messed that up and they need some help getting back on track. Um, But I've even heard a lot of moms who are like, well, you know, we want to have more kids. We're going to wait until all of them are born and then I'll worry about that. Like, no, don't do that to yourself. Get, Get help now. Like, you don't have to suffer. Yeah. And just for like, bursts in the future, having Mm -hmm. that strength, whether that's your pelvic floor or the rest of your body, that's 
it can make it so much easier if you're just continuous, like continually um, working on those muscles and, yeah. and all of that. Well, because really, if you think about it, it's not even just tightening that you do with pelvic floor stuff. It's like you're also going to work on stretching mm -hmm. and elongating. And how do you control that? And that'll give you a much better birth experience. I mean, it's like with running, you know, like, yeah, you need to be strong, but you also need to be flexible. So it's, it's a lot more um, nuanced than that. And I think anybody at any stage um, of pregnancy or um, motherhood would really benefit, um, in, like, in the immediate and in the long term by, by doing that kind of work. So. Yeah, definitely. Are there any other tips or advice that you would give any new mamas or mama-to-bees? I mean, I think just kind of what I already said about, you know, like, your plan may not happen, and that's okay. Um, you didn't fail. You did everything you could, and that's okay. Um, and as long as your kiddo's here safe and sound, that's all that matters. Um, and whatever is out of your hands is out of your hands. Um, so don't let yourself go down that guilt path. Um, and lean on your support system. It's, it's hard. It's really hard. I'm very stubborn and independent and I'm not good at asking for help, but we are really blessed with an incredible support system of friends and family. And, um, we kind of watched, you know, how other people had their kiddos and we're just drowning and we're like, okay, we're bad at asking for help, but we are not going to do that. We are going to reach out. We are going to include people. Um, and that has been a great choice. I'm really glad we did that. It's made it much less lonely. It's made it much more doable. Um, I mean, the fact that I'm able to do this podcast right now is because I've done that. Because mm -hmm. um, it's just a lot. It's exhausting. It's a lot to figure out, especially with your first. You're like, why are you screaming? I just fed you, my God. Um, but it, you know, just be patient with yourself. Um, give yourself grace. Take naps. Take naps. Um, because you will always feel so much better with a little more rest. Just do it. The dishes can wait. The, the floor can be dirty. It's okay. Take a nap call grandma, call grandpa to come watch them. Um, you will not be sorry. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of pressure to come back and whether that's going back to work or just like coming back to um, the house and getting everything done, there's just a lot of pressure there to get it all done when really you're just keeping your baby alive. Yeah, well, and I, I even had a great um, discussion with my mother-in-law Anne this morning on our walk and it's like I won't even go down this whole rabbit hole um, but there's such a pressure as women to be you know so successful in our careers to be these amazing you know employees or like you know we're entrepreneurs that, that's so much pressure on that end and then to be like the perfect mother to have that all together and to never ever put your kid second but also to be super successful in your career and like you cannot do it all you just can't no one can I'm sorry like anybody who says they can is full of it because yeah. you have to give here and there to puzzle piece it together totally and it's that I see so often in other podcasts and just um some other people that, um, 
you know, I've looked at before, the whole, like, hustle culture. It's just, that is what our society pictures as success. Mm -hmm. And it's like, one, not sustainable. (laughs) And two, you are, you know, if you're trying to hustle in every single area, something is going to have to give and Mm -hmm. some of those areas are going to um, suffer in some way. Yeah. And ultimately, you're just going to be absolutely exhausted, very unsatisfied with what you've accomplished. I I just, I don't think it's worth it. And there there have been times where I've gone, oh man, (laughs) I had a social media post scheduled for Sunday. Um... And I had even given myself a little reminder of like, hey, you need to edit it because I didn't, you know, it was like, you know, John was born, blah, blah, blah. And it was supposed to, I was going to edit it for exactly when he was born and how much he weighed and all that. And I was so stinking tired. I was like, I don't, I don't even care. Um, and my husband sent me a screenshot and he was like, uh, you posted like a really incomplete post, babe. And I was like whatever I don't even care but like I felt awful about that because I was like that looks so unprofessional but at the end of the day like I valued holding my son and him making the cutest little cooing sound and looking up at me like that was a million times more important than me fixing that stupid post you know right and I feel like it's usually like your family that yeah that really notices something a lot of people probably would not even really notice. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I had a bunch of really sweet comments on it and stuff, so I don't, I don't know if they didn't notice or they didn't care, but it was like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. It's, you know, um, and it, it it's definitely going to be a process kind of coming back into working. Um, I definitely want to incorporate my son quite a bit and not, um, you know, not have to be apart from him a whole lot, but it's just a process, like, just give yourself grace Figure out what works for you. Don't feel guilty about saying no to things that are less important. And that is, I love, I love that you just said that. But that is also, like, I feel like a reason why a lot of women entrepreneurs do what they do. Because ideally, like, you know, you might want to bring your kid to work. And, like, Mm -hmm. having the freedom to be able to do that, whether you are the one taking care of them or you have somebody there helping you take care of them just so he can be there. And, you know, you can have that experience. That's just, um, I feel like that's super common and, you know, being an entrepreneur is scary and yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, but there's so many things that, that pay off. I feel like, especially family wise. Yeah. And I think it's just a cool thing for, for kids to watch and be like, my, my mom created that. That's cool. Yeah. You know, work ethic and the, yeah. Yeah. And that work doesn't have to be work. Work can be something you're passionate about and you love. It doesn't have to be a chore. Yeah. Work doesn't have to be miserable. You don't have to hate your nine to five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we've both worked places where we were like, wow, this is terrible. And (laughs) you know, those are the reasons why we, um, or a lot of people go off on their own because they go through an experience that they're like, this is just not, you know, not healthy for me mm-hmm. as um, an employee, as a person. And it's so easy to take that back home when you're not happy at work and yep. just for your health mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, absolutely. So well, this was so great. I'm so glad yeah. to have you back. Yes. And I just feel like this is so um, just informational for our listeners, whether they um, are just 
learning about pregnancy and birth or they're pregnant or thinking about having a baby. You just gave so many good tips. And it was, it was really great to hear your story firsthand, you know, because yeah. you can hear um, how it goes from like the dad's perspective or whatever. But the mom is just like, this is exactly what happened. This is how I was feeling. And these are how things change. And that just really puts into perspective, like you said, that plans don't always stay on track. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, I don't, I definitely don't want to scare anybody out there or make them feel like, you know, I think what happened with us, there were so many, like, this is 5% of babies that this happens to. This is 5%. You know, it was like, it was the weirdest, most unlikely scenario mm-hmm. the whole way through. Um, but we came out the other side and we're we're doing really well. And not like in a, we're pretending and band-aiding it. Like, we're really doing really well. Um, so I think, you know, this is very unlikely to happen to nearly everybody. But, you know, if something does happen, you can totally overcome it and come out on the other side stronger and better and and everything happens for a reason. There's a reason why mm-hmm. you didn't go the other way. That could have yeah. been for him, for you, or Mason, or whatever. Um, yeah. So. And ultimately, it was really odd. I, I forgot to say this part, but, like, after he was born, I was going, okay, so what was the deal? Like, was his cord wrapped around him? Was there something wrong with yeah, the placenta? And they were like, no. I, I really, I honestly cannot explain to you why he was decelling, why he's IUGR, like, he, the placenta looked great. The cord was not wrapped around him in any way. The cord looked great. Wild. So we, we really have no explanation of, of what happened, but he was deselling. Like he was not tolerating labor. So I don't know, but you know, now we have a, a very healthy, very needy little burrito, as I like to call him when he's all swaddled <laughs> up and he's just, mom, I want more milk, even though I just fed him for an hour. Um, <laughs> these days will go by fast I say that as I'm not the one who's up all night but yeah that's what they tell me (laughs) oh yeah I mean like I said it feels like it's been two days or two months like it depends on what time you ask me but um it's all beautiful correct (laughs) it's beautiful and wonderful and very hard but very worth it so yay we should have another episode like a year in or something and yeah talk about yeah like how um, you guys made it through like different milestones mm-hmm. and I think that would be really beneficial and, um, you know, cause there's like all of that mobility of crawling and walking and you mm-hmm. know, everyone has their own opinion on, um, you know, things that can help with that. And yeah. also there'll be times where little one might get sick and, you know, there's different ways you can go about doing that. And so yeah, that would be really fun. Absolutely. And I, I did do a pediatric um, rotation when I was finishing up school, so, like, I definitely dabbled in it. Um, I am no expert by any means, but I think it'd be really cool to have some pediatric therapists on to kind of talk about that a little bit more than I can, just from the, you know, memory I have from school and and that two-month experience, but it it is awesome. I got to treat torticollis. I got to treat a lot of developmental delays, so. I think, uh, uh, like, having... A physical therapist and then a chiropractor would be really mm-hmm. cool too because you guys just have like so many great like different areas of expertise and different opinions and I feel like chiropractors and physical therapy 
don't normally get along, right? That's kind of a... I think good ones do, though. See, I mean, I think honestly. they should. Like, I've yeah. seen it to where, like, man, if we work together, like, if, you know, we're putting something in place and then you're working on the muscles to make sure that mm-hmm. that does stay in place, Yeah, that's super interesting. And for kids, I think that's also super interesting. Yeah. It's like, that can be for, you know, ear infections or digestion or whatever so yeah stay tuned we'll have to make a list yes of our next ones but well this is so great thank you everyone for joining us and we will talk to you soon yeah have a great day